Most of us have probably seen the movie series Mission Impossible. It's, uh, it's an exciting action-adventure thing. It looks like it's impossible situations that the, that the team is having to deal with, and all of a sudden, they overcome them in a pretty dramatic way and through, through a tremendous amount of, of commitment and, and engagement. And it's, it's just pretty interesting to watch that series. And a lot of times when it comes to the church, when it comes to us as Christians, we find ourselves dealing with the very same thing, don't we? A lot of times we find ourselves thinking, man, what God wants me to do is downright impossible. Go and win the world for to Jesus? How in the world can I do that? That's just downright impossible. And so we don't do anything. And one of the ways that we have tried to uh, deal with that is we have a tendency of getting involved in our own clusters and just, and just being very protective. But God has called us to do more than that. We have been called to make a difference in this world. And as a church, we have embraced a vision that we, have, uh, that we are striving to live out. I'm not saying that we're perfect at it, but this is something that we need to keep in mind all the time. And it's a vision that allows for us to fulfill the commission that God has given us. And basically, very simply, we as Mechanicsville Church of Christ, if you are new here, you want to know what it is that we're about, this is what we're about in a nutshell. We want to love God, we want to love people, and impact the world for future generations. You see, it's easy, though, to say that we love God. It's also easy to say that we love people, right? I can stand up here in front of you and say, I love y'all. It's far more difficult to practice it. It is far, far more difficult to practice it. There was a guy back in uh, Jesus' day that struggled with that. He was a religious person. I mean, not just, a, not just an ordinary religious person, but a really, really religious person. You know, you know those guys? You know those people? Maybe we're one of them. And he came up to Jesus, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 that he went up to him, and he, he came and asked him a question in order to put him to the test. And in verse 27, it says, or verse 26, it says, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And Jesus just threw it back at him. You you tell me. And I can almost picture this guy who had a whole list of theological degrees behind his name standing up and just kind of puffing up a little bit and saying, this is what it's about. Let me tell you. Let me impress you with my knowledge. And he quoted from Deuteronomy and, and from Leviticus. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus agreed with him. And he said, you've answered correctly. And then he said, do this, and you will live. That made him squirm. And it should make us squirm as well, because it goes on to say in verse 28, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? 
And Jesus proceeded to tell him a story that virtually everyone has heard about. It's referred to time and time again. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You see somebody helping somebody on the highway. Oh, they're being Good Samaritans and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to talk about the parable too much because Will talked about it a few weeks ago. But I want us to focus on one, one section of the exchange that takes place here. Where the man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor in your, as yourself. And Jesus' response in saying, do this and you will live. And as I've said before, it is a whole lot easier to say that we love God and that we love people. But it is a whole lot more difficult to practice it. Can I get an amen on that? That's a no-no, okay? We don't do that in church. It is so much more difficult to look at everything and everyone from God's perspective and reflect him in all of those settings and all of those relationships. And a few weeks ago, we talked about our need to love God. Today, I want us to talk about how we do that. And that is by loving each other. And it is so important for us to grasp this. As a part of our vision, this is what we say. We are committed to love people by selflessly serving and engaging people from all walks of life. We love people with Christ's love and lead them into a growing relationship with the Lord. Because it is only in Jesus Christ that eternal destinies are settled and determined. So I want us to look at one group of people that we need to love. And the first one that I want to suggest to you is that we love other believers. Carl George has written a book, and in this book he talks about the various passages in the Scripture, all 59 of them in the New Testament, that talk about things that we are to do with one another or toward one another. They're commonly referred to as the one anothering passages of Scripture. And some are listed on the screen, but if you have a bulletin, there's a complete list of those found in your bulletin to look at and to study later on. And I went through that, and I did some studying myself on it as I was preparing for this message, and the whole idea of having agape love, which is the selfless kind of love, the love that is sacrificial, that puts other people first, that forgets about self and puts them first, is mentioned at least 15 times in all of these passages of Scripture. And then there are other one another in verses. A call to serve, to honor, to forgive, to live in harmony, to stop passing judgment, to carry burdens, to submit, to encourage, confess sins, build each other up, and offer hospitality, and the list goes on and on and on. And I want to suggest to you very, very clearly that those are practical and visible expressions of the kind of love we are to live out on a day-to-day -day basis with each other. You see, folks, we can disagree without being disagreeable. We can love without condoning wrong behavior. 
We can reach out without expecting anything in return and reflect Jesus Christ through it all to other people because that is exactly what he did. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And every single one of us has been lost, haven't we? And what a wonder it is to know that he loves us so much and that he accepts us and that he forgives us and that he renews us. What a contrast that is to the anger that is so prevalent in our culture. And I wish I could tell you that if you were to look at all those 59 things, I, could, I wish I could say, real honestly, oh, I live those out all the time. But I would know that I would be lying, and so would you. Because there are times when I get caught up in all the anger and all the resentment and all the angst that is prevalent in our culture just as much as you do. And it's hard. And so the teacher of the law said, Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Can I ask you to do something? Okay, ready? You're going to have to follow instructions here very carefully, okay? First of all, I would like everyone to stand up that can. Okay? Now, you guys over here, I want you to turn to your left. And look over there. You guys over here, I want you to turn to your right. Can you wave, say, make faces, whatever you want to do. Okay, you can sit down. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, okay? <laughs> Who's my neighbor? You just looked at him. You just saw him. And if you call this place your home, if you say, I want to belong here, and I'm committed to this group of believers, to this church. This is one of the most important groups of neighbors that you have. Now, I know a lot of times we end up reacting when we hear stuff like that. And we say, well, what about that person out there in need? What about him? What, what about her? And folks, I'm, I'm here to tell you, we're going to have needs that we are called to meet every single day, every single hour, in our community, in our world, in people that we know, and we need to respond to them. But I want you to hear me. It has to start here. It must begin here. You see, if you have a family, and I know most of you do, and a crisis arises, Whose needs are you going to take, of, take care of first? Your kids? Your parents? Your grandkids? If something happens to my grandkids, I'm sorry. I'm out of here. I'm, 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 I'm up in Indiana and Ohio to see what their needs are. And you would expect that of me. At least I hope so. You know, because I would expect that of you. And by the same token, if we are family, which we are as the church of Jesus Christ, 
we have to care for those who are closest to us before we go out and reach out to others. Paul brings it home very, very clearly in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those to those who belong to the family of believers. And it was this distinctive behavior of the early church, of people who were together, even though they didn't have that much in common except Jesus Christ, who loved each other with a passionate, never-ending love that brought a Roman Empire that was bent on intimidation and, and conquest to its knees. Instead of encountering hostility in Christians, the Romans ran, through, ran, ran across people who were kind, who loved them, who loved one another by providing generously for the needs of others and for each other. So much so that the Roman historian Tertullian, who is not a Christian, comments in his history books, see how these Christians love one another. Now we live in hectic times. And sometimes we get too busy to do life because what we are called to do in life is not to run from one thing to the other or to do this or to do that and be focused on tasks. Our call is to make an impact in people's lives. Those are the things that matter the most. People. And to love those that matter the most. Acts chapter 2 tells us that when the Christians, when people first came to Jesus Christ, when they first realized their need for him, they were baptized into him and they followed him. They shared life together. They were in community. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, describes that in a very dynamic way. They had everything in common. They went house to house. And today, just as a practical expression of that, we not only have public gatherings such as this one, but we also have, have life groups where people have an opportunity to meet in smaller groups to get to know each other. You know, it's nearly impossible, even though I love our, our, our large gatherings like this, it's nearly impossible for us to grow close to a person when we look at the back of their heads once a week. I've never heard anybody say, oh, you mean that? I, I, I just so miss the back of their heads. I mean, it, it, it doesn't fit, does it? But you know somebody, and they're not around, you're there. We just, we just heard rousing praise. And part of the reason is that we know the people that are up here. We know their hearts. And they were just offering praise to God. And we were inspired by that. Can I get an amen on that? There was a connection there of something in common. And we share the commonality of Jesus Christ through it all. That's, in smaller groups, that's where the connection takes place. We interact, we share, we struggle, we learn together, we grow together, we pray together, we share with each other, we show love to one another, we help each other. 
And if you're a guest at this church, you're probably coming here and saying, man, is, is, is it really possible? If you're checking, this, checking us out, you're probably asking, is it really possible for me to belong here? You're looking for a place that, that's going to welcome you. And Christian, member of MCC, you need to realize that. And you need to take the blinders off of your eyes and, real, and, and quit being so wrapped up in your own world and recognize that there are other people that are desperately seeking the same thing that you have. They need you. They want you. They want to be involved in a place that is welcoming, that will walk with them in their journey to grow closer to the Lord and to learn about Him in the first place if they don't know Him yet. They need you. I saw this lived out in a real powerful way when I went to India back in uh, 2017, in October of 2017. And I went and visited a number of churches, and one of, one of the churches was, was one, one of the two that were found in the city of Raipur, a metropolitan area of several million people. And there was this one church of about 700 people that gathered every single week to praise God in the midst of Hinduism and Muslim uh, practices and uh, they have compounds or walls around their building because uh, they're not necessarily favored the way we do the way we are here and I met with them visited with them the pastor showed me around in the church and then he said come here I want to show you something and there was this little compound there was a little area where you, people could park cars if they came or motorcycles or whatever and, and, and so it would have been overcrowded to have that many people in this compound. But he said, he looked at this one spot and he said, he showed it, he brought, brought me over to it. He said, come here, take a look, take a look. It was probably about a 20 by 25 foot place. And he said, my dream. And his eyes were just dancing. My dream is to build a house here. So that when people within the Christian community have their houses burned by Hindu extremists or, or they, they are beaten because of their faith and they are told to deny Jesus or they will be killed and they lose everything that they have, will have a place where they can come and find respite and, and healing and rest and they will, they, will find a, they will have a secure place as they try to get back on their feet. Folks, that's one anothering. Let me tell you about another one anothering that took place in this church for about eight to ten weeks, if I'm not mistaken. The Challenger's Life Group had a member who's here probably. Janice, are you here? Janice Wilson? She's not. Okay. But she, she normally is. She broke both of her legs. The lady couldn't walk. She couldn't do anything. And her life group rallied around her. And for close to eight to ten weeks, and maybe it was longer than that, went into her home, cooked meals, did cleaning, ran errands, took her to appointments, and cared for her until she was back up on her feet. That's one another. One anothering takes place in our Joy Life group that meets on Sunday mornings. They have several people who are homebound right now, and they call in and they check 
on them. They correspond. They pray for them regularly. One anothering takes place in our overcomers ladies group as they serve one another as well as others within the church body and the, and the community. One anothering takes place in our renewal ladies group that meets on Thursday mornings. One of the ladies needed some help with some errands and housework and other things and, and members stepped up and they helped. One anothering takes, took place in the renew group that meets over at Will and Hannah's house right across the driveway. I know they have to walk a long way to get there, but, um, and we were really concerned during the, during the snowstorm that Will would get lost in the snow. No. But they got together and they built tables together that were used, that are being used right now in the teacher's lounge over at Mechanicsville Elementary School. And in each of these groups, people come from all walks of life. They have different perspectives. They have different preferences. They have differing political views. And some are pretty vocal about what they think. And what they like and don't like. Can I get an amen on that? And you look at this diverse group of people coming from all sorts of backgrounds. And you think to yourself, what in the world do these folks have in common? One answer. Jesus Christ. One anothering is something that every single one of us need because we can't live for Jesus in a vacuum. We were never, ever created to do that. The church was never, ever created to do that, to become a holy huddle that just simply focuses on itself, but instead focuses on others. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that less than 50% of the people that are sitting in this room go, are involved in any kind of a life group. And there are many of you in this room that need to take a a step that seems risky and say, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be as nervous as I'll get out that first meeting. But I'm going to go because growth awaits me. Relationship awaits me. And there are some of you in this room who need to be even bolder than that because you've been a part of a group for a long time. And you've been sitting around and just enjoying the time. And you are capable and equipped to to lead or to facilitate a group and help others develop relationships with each other, but more importantly, relationship with Jesus Christ. And Will's going to be at the back door after we conclude, or the main entrance over there. And if you want to talk to him, he's the guy with the beard. If you, if you don't know who it is, okay, it's the guy that was up here right before with the beard. Not Eric. He was, he was over here. Will was down here and saying, welcome. You need to talk to him. You need to share with him, and he will seek to place you in a position where you can go ahead and be involved. And you don't need to be an official member of Mechanicsville Church of Christ to join a life group. But if you are connected, 
Or if you want to connect to others more and learn about what it means to follow Jesus more, then a life group is a great place to start. And we have, we have a, a, a website that you can look at. Take a, take a snapshot of this. Let's leave it up for just a minute or two so that if you are looking into this, please take a picture of this. And that way you can find out more about the life groups that are already in existence. Or you can visit with Will about uh, starting some new ones. There are some that meet on, on Sundays at 9.45, others on Sunday night, others throughout the week. And I look out and I see people in this group who are leaning into this opportunity. And there is engagement, there is commitment, there is, there is, there is excitement. And even in the midst of trials, there's an underlying sense of joy. Because I know I'm not walking through this alone. But I can also probably identify a number of people within this group that are, don't participate. And maybe one of the telltale, telltale signs, say that fast three times, is that as soon as things are over here, you're, you make a beeline out. And you don't stop and talk to people. And it's not important. Maybe you feel like you've done your duty to God when what he wants you to experience is so, so much greater. And that takes place in relationship. First of all, in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but also in relationship with Christ through people who love you and whom you can grow to love. Now, folks, we need to care for each other, but there's also a second group of people that we need to care for. And I'm going to refer to this very quickly, but Will's going to develop this more in depth next week. You see, we're called to love people who are not followers of Jesus. And a lot of times, we have a tendency of separating the two and say, well, I'm just going to love other Christians. Well, the reality is that when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, he took to task the two religious ones that were there. The priest and the Levite. Oh, they were too busy to spend time with, with, with a man in need. And they walked by. They ignored him. And basically what he was saying was that they were being hypocritical in their behavior. And they needed to repent of it. You see... One of the challenges that we put out in October was for every one of us who are members of Mechanics of the Church of Christ to uh, invite at least one person a week to church. Invite others to grow along with you in this loving one another lifestyle. You see, we live in a world that sees love that is being offered as being flawed, as being selfish and conditional. And ultimately, sometimes, those of us who claim to follow Jesus can be some of the worst offenders in this arena. True love for God is going to be seen in the way we treat others. Even those who don't live, who don't act, or think like we do, or make choices we would approve of, or, but are still loved by God with an endless love. And who need to be able to experience his love 
through us. Love for Jesus is of utmost importance. Can you say that with me? Love for Jesus is of utmost importance. Love for his people is next. Love for others drives our times together. Because it, if, if we really believe that the news of Jesus Christ is so great, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We have not been called to do that. We have been called to share it. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somehow, some way, we have to do it. Always we have to do it. People matter so much to God. And if they matter so much to God, then they should matter to us. Rodney Stark is a professor of sociology and religious studies over at Baylor University. He doesn't identify as a Christian, but he also studies Christianity in tremendous detail. And he has authored a book called The Rise of Christianity. And one of the ways in which he says that the early Christians showed love in the Roman Empire was that in the city of Rome, people had a culture and a mindset that if a child was born that was not of the desired sex, and if somebody else and the... Okay. Yeah, my kids are calling and saying hi because they're snowed in and they're trying to have worship online, okay? Uh, that's what it's about. Uh, but but if, if, if a child was, was not the desired sex, or if a child was born with some deformities, the Romans, it was not uncommon for them to take that child and take him over to the local dump and just leave him there to die. And what Christians would do would be that after the day, they would walk through the dump and identify those children and seek them out and pick them up and take them home. Nurse them back to health, if at all possible. And once they were nursed back to health, adopt them into their family. The ill were often left out with nothing and they would take the ill in and they would nurse them back to health. The hospital movement that we have today in our culture is the result of Christians saying we need to care for each other. Benevolent ministries that you see all over the place today are the result of Christians starting the process by saying we need to care. We need to love. And we need to do so in tangible ways. And all of that started because of the name of Jesus. Because people were committed to him. And were committed to love others in his name. Folks, it is time to do it again. Father, we come to you right now. ourselves dealing with the reality that uh, when you ask us to love, uh, it can be pretty demanding. It can really, it can really 
wear us out. And yet you seem to give us the energy and the wherewithal when we don't have it together. I thank you for that. And I thank you that we always can remember that your love for us never, ever ceases. And from that love, we draw strength through the power of your spirit. God, I want to pray specifically for some people right now. I want to pray for our leaders of the life groups. And I just want to lift them up to you, Lord. Uh, They've taken on a responsibility that is huge. And I just pray that you will fill them with wisdom, that you will enable them, that you will give them not only the wisdom, but also the resources to pull things together and draw people closer to you. Lord, I also pray for those who are who are connected in life group and, and are openly sharing their needs there and are also listening to the needs of others. Lord, may those times be real blessings as relationships grow deeper, as commitment to you grows deeper because of how that's lived out between them. And Lord... I pray also for those who are needing to connect right now. Some of us here need to take that step to belong. But there are also those of us, and I, 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 pray, for the, I pray for that opportunity, and I pray that that will happen uh, in, in, in the hours and in the days to come there will be a desire to pursue what needs to be done in order to become a part of a group of like-minded believers who hold Jesus high even though we may not agree on every minor thing. But I also know, Lord, that there are some people here who are struggling with their relationship with you. I pray that through this time they have experienced your love. They have known you through us and in some imperfect way through the words that I've spoken. Oh Holy Spirit, please touch lives as only you can. Jesus be seen. Not people, but Jesus. I pray in his name.